Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Ship It and Sip It. Today I'm very glad to have a founder that we've been working with for the last year, Julie Landerois from Nudge. And she was a founder in our first batch of our Accelerator program and has continued to work with us since that program ended last fall. Julie, how are you doing today? Hi, John. I'm doing great. Uh, it's great seeing you again. Yes, and it's great to talk with you again. If you guys want to check out our earlier interviews with Julie, they're on our YouTube account. We talked about the idea for her app, Nudge, and how the progress was made in the Paralect Accelerator last year. Today, we want to sort of revisit some of those topics and also talk about the progress that has made since the Accelerator ended. So, what is the latest news on Nudge, Julie? Well, a lot has been happening since uh, last June. Um, so first, um, I joined a big incubator in, in Paris, uh, in France. Um, then I applied for government subsidies and I also launched uh, Love Money, um, which together allowed me to raise close to 250,000 US dollars. Um, yay! <laughs> um, and also uh, Elizabeth joined the team. Um, so she's in charge of uh, marketing and communication, and she's been building all our um, social media strategy. Uh, she's been creating our accounts, um, posting on them. Um, she also asked me to say that she's the best employee of all time. So I'm not going to say it because obviously headhunters are going to run after her and we don't want that. Uh, but she's quite the asset, to, to be fair. <laughs> um, and then we run our first pilot uh, with the school. Uh, we got great feedback. Um, users are really loving the, the design of the app, uh, the user friendliness. Uh, and the last thing we're working on is that we are um, developing new features based on that user feedback uh, to try to bring even more value to our users. Fantastic. And just for those, of, uh, those in our audience who haven't watched the previous interviews with you, uh, can you just give us the elevator pitch for, for Nudge? I'm, I'm sure you have... Uh, some experience pitching by now. So what is Nudge and uh, why are you so excited about it? Sure, so uh, Nudge is a networking application for uh, college alumni communities. Um, so basically for every alumni in each school or university community, we're asking them what is their current main uh, professional or personal challenge. And then our app is matching them with the top 10 most qualified people within their community to help them uh, solve their challenge or move on uh, with their projects. Fantastic. All right, so now that some time has passed, what do you look back and see as the most valuable outcome from uh, participating in the Accelerator program with Parallect? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, well, the accelerator has really been um, a key milestone for, for me and for Nudge, for, Nudge, for both, um, for many reasons, but I think there are two main ones. Um, the first one is that it really gave us um, credibility in front of our future investors. Um, because once you already tell people, okay, I already have someone who invested in us, um, your status changes. It, it's like you're becoming part of that pool of um, funders that are 100% committed to their projects and funders that are dedicating a lot of money and time both to that project. So they know that you will do whatever it takes uh, to achieve success. So, so that was really a, a, big, a big help um, for us. And we really saw the before and after uh, working with Parallect. 
Um, the second main thing is that um, the product that you guys built, um, even the MVP, already looked like the finished product. Like every time, literally every demonstration of the tool I've done with every single prospect since the beginning, the first reaction is always like, whoa, like the design looks great. It's super modern. It's super intuitive. It's user friendly. Um, it looks like exactly like, you know, WhatsApp or Facebook, or it's like that kind of uh, standards. Um, so that really helps as well, because even if you don't have all the features yet, uh, at least it already looks very professional. So I, I would say that would be the two main ones. Fantastic. And I will have to let our design team know uh, and and your designers from Nudge about uh, that feedback. And I'm sure you've told them as well. But that's great to hear. Um, and I want to talk a little bit now about your experience as a founder, uh, because a lot of social networks, and a lot of founders own social networks are glorifying and highlighting how fun and interesting and challenging and all of those things it is to be a startup founder. What's the experience been like for you? And just uh, fill us in, how has your life changed now as a founder? Sure. Um... As you said, I've been very influenced by people and social media saying that it's fun to be a founder. Um, now, stepping back, I think fun is probably the last word I would use <laughs> to describe the experience. Um, it is meaningful uh, and, and you do feel like you're very aligned with yourself because you're actually doing something that you really want to do. You know, it's like very few people, they are reaching out for their dreams and you're actually trying to do it. So. Uh, definitely that's very meaningful um, and that's also an incredible um, um, learning journey um, about yourself, about how to become a founder. Um, I mean, you definitely learn a lot about what you're able to do and what you're not able to do. Um, but it is not fun. Like, honestly, um, my job, like my main day-to-day -day task is to hear no for an answer. It's like you go to investors and you pitch uh, do you want to invest in, in my company? And they said no. And then the next day you have to go back and convince other investors. Um, and like you go to prospects and you're like, do you want my product? And they're like, no. And then the next day you do it over again. Um, and then you go and want to hire people. So you, you go to professionals and do you want to become an employee? And they say, no, we don't know you. Who are you? <laughs> so that's the job. Um, so I wouldn't want to do anything else, but I wouldn't say it is fun. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's dig into that just a little bit. Um, it's, were you expecting that, or how? And and how do you sort of? I guess a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome. And so, uh, before you start, you feel like you can't do it because you're not ready, you're not smart enough, you're not whatever enough to become a founder. And then once you start. At least what you've said, you, you keep getting no's as responses. So uh, how, how do you deal with that? What, what, what tricks do you have? Um, I have a good example. Uh, it's a sad one, but, but I tell you anyway, because I think it, it matters to have a, a vision as accurate as possible from the truth before you start. Um, so what I wasn't expecting is that I, I knew it would be challenging uh, because you hear it, but challenging almost sounds like it's fun you know oh it's a challenge um right. but it's not it's not challenging um it's hard like really hard like 10 times harder than what you think um and and even though i was prepared for something tough um and and 
also because I didn't know what exactly would be hard. You know, when people tell you it's challenging, you don't really understand until you, you, you face uh, one of these things. Um, so I, I find what is the hardest is that I, I naively probably um, initially thought that I would be able to focus just on that, just on building the startup, you know? Um, and as a founder, very often you think that if you set your mind to something and you just go and do it, it's going to work, you know? Um, the truth is that probably only 10% of what you do uh, will really, you know, contribute and be the way you want it to be. 90% is linked to circumstances. Is it the right time? Is it the right person? Is it the right product? Um, so you don't have as much, um, as much impact on, on, on success as you think. Um, now, if you don't have this 10%, then don't even try, you know? So you do need to be a go-getter and really go like, yeah, you know, every time I have a sales meeting, um, Elizabeth is laughing because I look at her and I'm like, go, 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 you know, we got to close it. So, so you do need this type of attitude, but it's not going to be enough. Um, so what I wanted to, to, to mention, the example that I had in mind is that... Um, so you have other things that get in the way that are not um, linked to your startup because life still goes on uh, while you're working, right? So for example, if you decide uh, to become a founder, you may not pay yourself, um, initially at least, uh, because you can't afford it. All your money goes into the startup. So you're going to have to do things like changing houses, you know, uh, relocating because you need something cheaper and you need to adjust your lifestyle. Um, so that's going to take time and that's going to take your mind off uh, of, of your startup. Uh, that's the easy part. Um, now, many people, most people also have to take care of their, their family. Uh, and, and, you know, especially these days, I think that that's something that would probably speak to a few people. Um, in my case, my, my father got sick um, before I had to raise money. Uh, and he, was, he got COVID and he was in a coma for, for 10 weeks. Um, and just before I started raising um, money, he, he passed away and, and his sister passed away um, as well. Um, and now when you know that you have to raise money, raising money means that every morning you wake up, you have to go and pitch and you have to look like a million dollars. You know, like you're ready to take over the world, like you are the best, you are full of energy, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, it's going to work. You've got all the KPIs. Um, so you, you fake it. Every morning, you know, you wake up and you're like, yeah, I'm the best. This is going to work, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then you go home and you cry. And that part, um, you can't really anticipate, you know, you, you can't really prepare in advance, but that's what the job is. Um, so you really need to have a strong reason why you're doing that. Um, and if it's like, I just become a billionaire, uh, it's not a good enough reason, you know, it's not going to work. Um, but if you do have a reason that is strong enough and you really care deeply about the, the problem you're solving, um, you're going to become like the strongest you've ever been uh, because everything else will feel like almost nothing, you know, a small obstacle. Oh, you know, I've done so much worse um, than you will manage. So, so make sure that you have a reason that is strong enough. Yeah. And I mean, that's just such a powerful example. And, you know, you see people walk away from startups for under much less uh, horrible situations than, than, than you went through as a founder. So um, my highest commendation on 
on persevering through that time, and I'm sure it was very tough uh, for your family and to pitch at the same time. It sounds very hard, but I hope um, at this point that, that things are a bit brighter. Um, let's talk about your day-to-day -day maybe since, since then and since leaving the Accelerator program. And as a founder, what has sort of surprised you, maybe in a good way, about being a founder of Nudge and your own startup? Um, the day-to-day -day is very easy to, to summarize. Um, I pitch day in, day out, you know? <laughs> That's all I do. Um, you pitch to investors, uh, you pitch to clients, prospects, you pitch to business partners because you want to keep working with them, um, you pitch to your employees to make sure that they're still motivated. So the, my whole day-to-day -day task, yeah, it's all about pitching, really. Um, and of course, you know it before, but I think I didn't realize that um, it's really a sales job. You know, most of the job is to sell and everything else that you have to do during the first year or so. Um, after that, you don't do it anymore. You know, you start having a team and people will do the other things like, um, uh, for example, the um, setting up your company, all the admin stuff. Uh, you're going to have a lawyer, you're going to have an accountant who are going to take care of all these things. Uh, looking at um, how many, how much taxes you need to pay and who you need to pay to. And in France, there are a lot of taxes. <laughs> so you really need someone to help you with that. Um, and then um, Elizabeth is here now uh, in charge of marketing and communication. So really the two things I do, I pitch to investors to get money and I, I sell to clients to get money at my job. Um, and, and I actually um, got to like it a lot more than at the beginning. Um, because initially I was more interested in um, the idea of solving a problem, finding the audience, uh, finding the exact right fit, um, and building something that would solve that, you know, more like really problem solving. Um, and, and getting a no, um, I wouldn't really like it that much, you know. <laughs> uh, but then you, you start learning, um, you start liking it because you're, you're improving your pitch every time. Uh, so I literally have an Excel file with um, all the prospects I ever talked to, all the reasons why they said no, and then I have the yes column, what should I tell to the next prospect <laughs> so that they don't say the same thing next time. Um, so that, that's most of my, my job. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's stick to pitching for a little bit because, as you said, you've done a lot of it. Uh, what have you learned along the way about pitching and maybe for founders that are coming into our, our, our second batch of the Accelerator program, what tips do you have for them for delivering a fantastic pitch? The, the most important um, to me, and I didn't know that at the beginning, is not to rely on your gut feeling, uh, but to, to run analytics on your pitches. Um, so it's really to try to understand after each pitch, let's say I've pitched to 20 different prospects, uh, what were the reasons um, for which they said no. So five of them, let's say it's going to be about a budget, uh, five of them is going to be about uh, they're already working with a competitor, um, and the rest is going to be um, we never work with startups, only big companies, or we've always done it one way, why should we change? Um, and then second step is you sort out which types of feedback you care about and, and which ones don't matter. I mean, the, the last 50% of people who said you're a startup or uh, it's a new way of doing things, um, don't focus on them at the beginning. 
because they won't be your early adopters. They won't be the first client. So don't, don't waste time on them. Um, but the ones who gave you a real uh, objection, you know, that, that is um, uh, valuable and acceptable, then I tried to make buckets of them and try to understand what each of them had in common. So for example, for the, the five prospects who said it's about budget, is it because I went to pitch to them in January when they decide the budget in December, for example? So is it this type of you know, wrong timing? Um, for the one who are already working with competitors, are they both working with the same competitor or is it with different competitors? Because if it's the same, um, then you just need to differentiate your product a bit. If all the people who are working with other competitors prefer, prefer them, uh, then you have an issue with your product. Um, so you really need to uh, go back to your, your market, your audience, and ask them what they need. And most probably, it means that you love your product so much that you forgot about the audience. You try to push your product without thinking enough about um, are you, is your product really helping them solve their issue? Or are you just in love with your product and you're pushing it too hard? Um, so I would say it's, it's segregating the no's first, and then based on that, you build your counter arguments. Um, so every time, as I said, you've got this Excel table, and every time someone says no, um, you're trying to find a way to, to turn it to a yes. And sometimes you can just um, do some research. Sometimes they just need statistics, you know, proof that what you're saying is actually true, uh, but then so that you just um, announced it as if it were it were a truth and, and it isn't. Um, Sometimes it can be um, just preparing the answer. Like they told you something that you were not expecting. Um, like, I don't know, I'm going on maternity leave, so I can't talk about that before the next three months. And you're like, okay, there's nothing I can do. But then if you think about it, you're, uh, you will think that, okay, maybe I can talk about this. I can talk to this other team because it's kind of related. Maybe they would have more time. So you find different strategies. Um, and then sometimes when really your product doesn't uh, solve their issue, then you need to add a feature or you need to tweak it a bit um, to, to try to solve it. But I found that doing analytics really helps um, also because it's not my default mode. Um, um, now I'm getting better at pitching. So if someone says no, you know, I'm just going to find an argument on, on the fly somehow. But it's a lot more powerful if you've analyzed everything and if what you say is actually a measurable, um, strong, and you can you can um, mention where you got it from. Yeah, that's really interesting about the analytics side of, of the results from the pitching. Um, a lot of a lot of people have written about um, just having more equity in, in venture funding across Europe and the US in terms of underrepresented founders. I was just wondering, uh, as a female founder in Europe, ha have you noticed any uh, sort of just, I guess, pushback just because you're a woman? Or is it like not visible, but you sort of feel it anyway? Or how's that for you? It's difficult to say at that stage um, because I've, I've, I've done a lot of money uh, and I've started to go and talk to angels, but I haven't talked to VCs yet or uh, to that many business angels. So um, when you do a lot of money, you go and talk to your friends, colleagues, family. So of course you don't, you don't have that feeling. So I think that's a good question for in six to 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> but for now, it's difficult to say. Um, what I can say is that there are more uh, subsidies 
um, that are now available for female founders. Um, I've been, um, um, somebody told me about this new incubator in Paris, for example, that is only for female founders. And if you get in, that gives you <clears throat> some, um, um, you are entitled to some subsidies, you know, um, to build your startup. So I think there are more and more things being done, but I haven't felt the pain from it yet. <laughs> All right, well, hopefully the support is there when you need it and you don't have to uh, feel that pain. Uh, this one, next two questions come from one of our new business analysts who in the last few years, he was working at a VC fund as a startup analyst. So he's coming from that perspective. He was on a global team that was assessing founders like yourself and their ideas. For their VC fund, so he wanted to know. Uh, Would he have selected probably, me? <laughs> probably a hundred percent, especially if he saw Parallact on, uh, as the partner. Obviously. You know? <laughs> um, so he wanted to know how you discover investors. Are there platforms that you use? I know you said that so far it's been love money, as you call it in France. I love that term, by the way. Um, <laughs> But uh, how are you discovering angels or other early stage funds that might be a good fit for Nudge? Yeah. Um, so as I said, um, I've done a lot of money first. So I've got 12 investors. Um, 11 of them are uh, from the love money pool. And one of them is a business angel. Um, so for the, the first ones, you go to people who um, you've worked with, with and who have seen you succeed if you can. Uh, so, of course, you go to your family first, and I've got two members of, of my family who are um, investors. Um, I've got a couple of friends, but most of them are actually um, ex-colleagues from the company where I was previously working. Um, and the reason why they invested, it's not really about the project. It's not about the company. Um, it, it's because they believe in you. Um, one of them actually didn't even read my pitch. She was like, you know, because it's your... I'll give you the money, <laughs> you know? So it, it's, it's more about yourself. And um, it's like you've already proven to them that you can do it and that you will do whatever it takes uh, to make it work. So even if you don't have the right company, the right product uh, yet, they know that you, you will correct course somehow and, and adjust until you get there. Um, so, so that's how I got the first ones. Uh, for the last one, the angel, I applied to um, a free online competition that was organized by a VC. Um, they are called Criatella, Criatella Ventures, um, and they organized a two weeks um, acceleration program. So it's quite quick. Uh, it's two weeks and then you have a demo day. Is it two weeks? Yeah, I think it's two weeks, two to four weeks. Um, and the goal of these two weeks is to put you in touch with mentors who are going to advise, um, give you advice and help you improve your pitch before the demo day. Um, so the reason why I, I applied wasn't actually to, to raise funds, but I thought, you know, I don't have a lot of chances to get funds because I don't even have one customer yet. So, you know, there's no, there's no, there are no revenues yet. Um, so I went there because I thought the most important thing is to, to find the product market fit. I mean, that's the long-term strategy. Even if I get money, um, raising money doesn't mean that you're going to succeed. Finding product market fit means you're going to succeed. You know, you're going to have um, recurring revenues. You're going to have clients. Um, so I went there. Um, the mentoring was great. And, and uh, one of the, um, the guys is actually still my mentor today. So I, I'm calling him every few months. 
uh, and he did uh, give me uh, um, a great tip and he helped me improve the, the strategy when I go after school. So just for the, the example, because I think it's, it speaks for itself. Um, he had heard about some clusters of schools that have a partnerships uh, with each other and that are closer between themselves than with other schools they are not partners with. Um, so he said that I should target schools that are in that kind of partnerships first, because if I convince one, they can recommend me to the like 30 other schools they're working with. Um, and that's actually what's happening right now. Um, yesterday I had a call with a school uh, and they said, well, if we sign with you and if your product actually delivers what it says it will deliver, um, I recommend you to the 32 other schools that are part of our network. Um, and I'm sure they're going to say yes. Um, so that, that had tremendous value to, to actually talk to mentors. Um, and then just, just for the, the, the fun fact, and, and because it always makes me happy to, to remember this. Um, so I went to that demo day, uh, thinking that, you know, it's just training for the pitch. Um, so it, it was, I think 15 startups and each of us has four minutes to pitch. So it's just the founder, a four minute pitch and that's it. Um, so I did the pitch, um, and one minute after I finished the pitch, I received this email from one of the business angels uh, who was attending and just seven words. It's like, count me in for 25,000 US dollars, dot. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's four minutes, you know, that, that's pretty efficient. <laughs> yeah. um, if I can have that, you know, a little bit every day, that's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, well, that's um, awesome, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so that's how I got that angel. Um, so the learning for me was that um, even if it's free, it doesn't matter. That's the first thing. And the second one is don't target the money, but target people who will help you uh, find your product market fit. That, that was the learning. And then, you know, people just come to you, investors, uh, because if you have the right product market fit, then you're going to have good KPIs and then that's a no brainer for them. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, a lot of founders like to talk about um, how much money they've raised or their MRR, MRR growing month over month and all this stuff. It's very money focused. Uh, so that last piece of advice will be very useful for anyone to focus more on the opportunities and the mentorship that you can get, especially at the cool. early stage. All right, Michael's next question is, how did you analyze the market for Nudge before you started and decide that it was big enough for your idea or your idea was differentiated enough from the rest of the solutions on the market to nudge, uh, to, to launch and, and get started. Okay. Um, it's a bit long. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right. So the main point is, um, I understood there, there was a problem before I actually thought about building the app. So I wasn't trying to validate the, the product or the ID. Um, I was um, trying to see if there was a problem first. Uh, and I think that's really key to understand. You, you don't go out and look for um, validation for your product um, before, if you already, uh, sorry, because if you already built it, you're gonna want to validate it. You know, we all have our biases and if you feel something great, uh, you're going to find a way to, to, to hear that you're actually right and it's true. So you don't start from the product, you start from the problem. Um, so what you do is that you need to find, as you said, a problem that is big enough to be solved. And the easiest way to identify that problem is to start from um, the problems that impact you directly. 
So um, in my case, and I think we, we talked about it a bit in the, the first interview, um, my first problem was that I was looking for an internship. Uh, and I found that the networking experience around, you know, looking for that internship was terrible. I couldn't find people to help me. Um, that's the first one. And, and this one, I knew it was big enough um, because I had so many friends and students who were also looking for internships and, and couldn't find one. Um, the second one is that I found that um, the engagement within my own uh, business school um, alumni community was really weak. Uh, and that prevented me from, you know, reaching out to them, getting answers and finding that internship. Um, but for this second problem, I wasn't sure that the market was big enough. Um, so what I did is that I started running interviews with schools, uh, with schools and alumni, both actually, because we, we're serving both um, with Nudge. Um, because the, um, the alumni are using the apps, but the school is paying to give free access to the app to the alumni, just to, you know, frame it a bit. Um, so I went to interview schools and alumni, and I realized that 95% of schools that I talked to said that they had some kind of issue around alumni engagement. Uh, so I thought, okay, so there's something to do around that, uh, plus the problem of finding internships when, when you're a student. Um, and then I thought, okay, what about the remaining 5%? What do they do differently from the 95%? And these elements of success, are they transferable? Or is it just due to luck, you know, or, or circumstances? And once you validate that there are things that are transferable, that they are doing well, then you just um, pick that up and you try to integrate it in a solution, um, a product or a service. Um, I didn't know that would be an app at the time, but you try to integrate it in your offer, uh, basically. And then it, in terms of um, methodology, I, I went for qualitative over quantitative interviews first. Um, because you don't know yet which ones are the right questions to ask. So I just picked three, four schools uh, and, and ran a 45 minute, you know, long interview with them to try to understand really a bit more closely what is the issue. And then you can send like a broader survey to, to more schools uh, and ask more specific questions because you have a better idea of, of what you're talking about. And also because it's going to give a better impression of you if you look like you already have an idea of, of what it's about. Um, and so only after that, you're going to start looking for testers uh, and build an MVP and then ask them if it's fine or not, and then iterate, you know, build something better and then go back to them and ask. But the, the key point is really to find uh, whether your problem has a solution and not whether your product um, is the right product. Super. Yeah. And that lines up a lot with Michael's ideas. He's actually written a blog post about this market research step and we will publish it here soon. I've got my hands on the draft already. Uh, so I'm just editing it and it's very extensive and it's going to have templates and everything for founders to, to do this sort of market analysis. All right, so moving on and staying with the theme of analysis of uh, what what metrics do you track and has that changed over time for nudge and how do you sort of use that data to inform your decision making process together with the team okay um well at, at the stage we're at uh, we're still focusing on product market fit so we are basically looking at kpis that shows that uh our product, because it's not an MVP anymore, uh, our product answers our prospects' needs. Um, so the key KPIs would be 
um, the percentage of positive feedback among our pool of, user, pool of users, um, the NPS, the, the Net Promoter Score, which is basically how many people recommend your, your product uh, in percentage. Um, and then the last thing will be the, the frequency of interaction per user. So do they come back to the app or not? So these three would tell us, uh, do we have, um, are we solving their problem? Do we have a product that actually solves their, their problem? Um, and then as you, as you said, it's gonna uh, evolve because after we reach that product market fit, then it's more about, um, can we scale uh, that product to solve the, the problems of more people? So then you have a look at the number of downloads, um, the volume, the number of conversations per day, these type of things. Um, but then it's not only about the product market fit, it's also about your marketing strategy, your communication strategy, your execution. Um, so as you said, every step, the KPIs are gonna evolve. All right, well, that's exciting to watch. And yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you wanna talk about it all, we can edit this section out if you'd like, but I, did, I have been following the updates in Slack and you said there was some interest from uh, the corporate side in working with employees and ex-employees um, and using Nudge. Uh, anything you want to say about that or we can just cut it? No, sure. I can say a few words about it. Um, I, I have two different ex-colleagues who came to me um, and they said, well, I've seen Nudge. I think that would be great for my own uh, company because they're, they want to leverage the pool of ex-employees that they have and they think that would help for business referrals so that they would get more clients if they can uh, kind of create a stronger community of their ex-employees. Um, so what I've been working on is uh, market research. So it's the same process all over again. Is not does my product fit their um, needs. It's more what is their problem and what product needs to be built to solve that. Um, and I've interviewed at least 20 companies so far uh, of the same industry. Um, and the feedback is really good. The only thing is that I can't uh, target too many audiences at the same time uh, because, again, the product is going to be different because their, their problem, even if they are similar things, um, are not exactly the same. Um, and so we need to prioritize which features we're going to develop. And I don't want to introduce competition between schools and companies. Uh, I still care about the schools and students and alumni a lot. So, you know, that, that's priority number one for now. Um, uh, but there is definitely good potential uh, with the companies. And, and, and uh, I just give you the preview. But um, yesterday I was talking with one of these companies um, that I'm very close with. I, I have a good network with. Um, and they said that they would like to launch a pilot with us. So I am the one saying, whoa, hold on. I don't have time right now. But, you know, for the future, uh, that would be good. So I'm, what I'm trying to do to, to be ready when it comes is to make sure I know all the key stakeholders in as many companies as possible so that when it's ready, I can go to them and say, hey, it's ready, let's go. Uh, so that, that's my strategy. <laughs> Super. Well, it's exciting. And, it, you know, it sounds like Julie may, may turn into a serial founder in no time. <laughs> so... Um, let's wrap up, uh, last couple questions here. First, a really general one. Uh, what is your best advice for first time founders? Okay. I learned so many things, you know, uh, uh since I started that it's not an, an easy question, but, um, I think one 
one thing that is really key is to build an extensive and diverse network. Um, and you need people from different backgrounds and people from different uh, countries. Um, and, and, and an example where that was especially useful is that um, when I was trying to raise money, it's very difficult to raise it in France uh, because French people are more risk averse and they don't invest if you don't already have good KPIs. But how do you get these KPIs if you don't have money to build a product? Nobody knows, right? Um, so if you have uh, people from different countries in your network, then if you don't find something in one place, you go to the next place. Um, so out of my 12 investors, only three are French and two have dual nationalities. Um, it, it, yeah, it's really like the, the whole world is investing in the company. People are from everywhere, but um, that, helped, that helped me a lot to, to, to raise money. So that's the first thing, to, to have people from different places. The second reason it's going to help is that you're going to be a beginner at almost everything you do. Um, so some people already have some experience, like you know, lawyers launching a company, at least they know the legal side. Um, salespeople launching a, a company, at least they know how to pitch. Um, but for me, um, I had none of that. So I was new at everything. <laughs> um, and it's a lot easier to just go and text a friend and ask, uh, how do I contact a journalist, for example? than just yourself, you know, uh, kind of um, go to university again and do a five-year master's degree in journalism to try to understand how to do that, right? Um, so really leveraging the network has been super, uh, super, super important to me. And I feel a bit like I'm asking for help every time. Um, but to be honest, you're also giving an opportunity to, pe um, yeah, to people to help, to help you. Um, and usually they love it because, you know, they, they feel useful um, and then they know that you, you, you're you going to have to give them something back at some point, <laughs> you know, it's kind of um, nurturing the whole community. For sure. And I think that's definitely true. People are generally want to be helpful when they can, uh, especially when they see that someone is taking such a risk, uh, putting everything into a startup for the first time. And everybody wants to see that person succeed, maybe except their competitors. But everybody competitors actually. I had a call yeah. with them and they were almost like, oh, I almost want to help you. I won't, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not like a zero sum game. It's more it's definitely more of a win win thing. Um, so what's on the horizon for nudge? We've teased a few different directions already, but what what can you say? Okay, I can't say too much, you know, I need to keep some, <laughs> some suspense. Um, but so two things. The first thing is that we are developing new features for Nudge. Uh, and I want to thank the team for being so amazing about developing these new features uh, at Parallect. Um, so that feature is to bring more value to our users and also to build alumni communities faster. So to make it more efficient. Um, so what we're developing is the ability for alumni to create groups around shared interest. Um, and this is interesting because they don't invite only people they know inside their community, but they invite people that either they don't know they've never met because, you know, the university is so huge, you can't know everyone, or people they've lost touch with and they really want to be in touch with them again because they've got great memories together. So we are working around that and we're giving them the ability to create events to meet each other again pull resources, um, help each other work on their projects together. Um, so we are trying to make that um, even better. So that's the first thing. 
The second thing, um, as, as I mentioned, is about uh, companies. So we're we are trying to, to have that other option. Uh, I don't think that would be another company that would probably still be nudged, but maybe a, a second product line or something like that. Super. Well, it sounds very exciting and uh, can't wait to watch more of the progress along the way. All right. And last question from our side. This is a bit selfish, maybe, but given that you were part of the first Parallect Accelerator batch and given that like all humans, we want to do things better the more times that we do them, uh, we want to make the second one better than the first one. Uh, what do you think that Parallect can do to improve batch two of the accelerator program? You set up a pretty high bar, so it's challenging to find things to improve. Uh, to be honest, the experience has been really great uh, for me since the beginning, because I I was on my own. I was building this thing on my own, and, and all of a sudden, I've got a team with like 15 people um, who are both very good, very smart, and also very supportive. So that's been a lot of help for me. Um, and even um, Elizabeth, who's just joined the team, really loves you. I mean, every time I talk about you, she's like, oh, yeah, you're going to talk to Xenia and Vadim. <laughs> she's all excited. Um, so even yesterday, you know, when I was uh, sending a message to, to, to your team saying, uh, listen, I'm sorry, but I've got this new prospect and then is that new feature pretty fast. Can we make sure that we're getting that out as soon as possible? Um, her first reaction was, oh, poor Maria and Eugenia and the gym. It's so much work for them. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to laugh at that pressure, but I just find it very, um, very funny that she's loving the team as much as I do. So, so on the team side, at least there's nothing to improve. Just to answer your question, uh, John, um, what I was thinking is that um, we were only two founders at the beginning, but now you're getting more and more people. So one thing that is going to be great in the future is that if you can facilitate the sharing between founders, uh, because we were only two initially, right? So I, I reached out to Mohammed directly and I was like, okay, I'm the other winner, uh, let's have a chat. Uh, but I think the more people you get and you involve um, inside the accelerator, the, the easier and the, the more valuable it will be to, to, to get people to share with each other. And I'm obviously really ready to help the new founders as well. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Uh... That's very interesting. I, I know that our, our plans so far are to keep just uh, two startups per batch, but maybe we'll uh, take your advice into account. Uh, I guess I could reframe the question, though, because it, into a marketing perspective, because there's so many accelerators and incubators out there right now. How do you think we can differentiate what we offer with such a crowded market? And this is totally selfish. This is just for me. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> okay, you're just asking me to find the answer in 30 seconds. <laughs> um, all right, well, what, what convinced me is really your team. Um, so I think what you're doing with the, the um, social media strategy, uh, interviewing um, the, the best people at Parallect and all is really a great one. Um, maybe you can scale that up a bit. Um, and I'm happy you know, to, to brainstorm more about this, but what personally convinced me, I think I said that in the first interview, uh, was talking to Igor. Like, honestly, 90% of the decision was based on that. I was like, this is a smart guy. He looks like he has good intentions. I want to work with that guy. <laughs> so um, I think there's something to do around your team. 
Um, also, because when I was comparing um, incubators and accelerators, um, there are some others where I found that the team was really um, arrogant, not nice, uh, looking very close-minded about the, the type of founders that they wanted. You know, they need to be able to make their own product. Uh, if they are male, that's probably better. <laughs> so, you know, just a few things where I I, I thought, okay, they have um, good KPIs, but they are not really people that I would be happy to work with. Uh, whereas you're both really good and also super nice, you know, and it's really nice to work with you. So I think I would probably stress that part. And then maybe you can have a kind of a referral program or something. I can try to yeah. refer people I know. That would work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for those ideas. I will take them to heart. Uh, maybe I'll get some more interviews with Eager lined up in the future as well. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for your time. Uh, I saw that on our outline for this interview, you've added a question for me. So. Um, I have a question for me because you're always asking me questions and I, I never get to ask. <laughs> so I just uh, thought about this one. Um, I just wanted to have your uh, feedback to like, how was it for Parallel to, to work with Nudge and especially with a, you know, a new startup that was really just a tiny idea at the time? Uh, how was the experience for you? I can't speak for everyone uh, who's worked with you so much more. I can't speak for everyone that's worked specifically on your team. Everything that I hear is that they love it. Um, but more generally, uh, the whole idea of the accelerator program was to do exactly that, was to work with a founder that didn't have a, a huge budget just to kick off a development per uh, six month, you know, development plan um, with a founder who, who needed that support both monetarily and with the team to start their startup of their dreams. And we saw that uh, we had a long history of success with founders like yourself, um, but that not everyone can just agree to the budget right away, right? So we felt like there were, we were missing good ideas good problems that were being solved with good by good people, right? We were missing this huge uh, uh, opportunity because of the financial demands. Um, so that's really the dream of the accelerator program. And I feel like so far the, the dream is coming true. From my side personally, I love it because I get to, to talk with founders like yourself and, and Mohammed throughout the process, and that really gives me an insight into the founder experience that I don't normally get with the other products in our portfolio. Um, some founders don't really want to be that public about the partnership. Some founders are just busy, and I totally get that, and they don't want to do you know, co-marketing with me. Um, that's fine, too. But the, this accelerator program has given me a, a direct line into the founder experience so that I can take that and make better marketing material out of it and bring in more people like yourself in the future. So it's a great cycle for me. Um, and it's been a really good uh, way to get a lot more people on our team sort of into this uh, product mindset and sort of into scouting 
um, comparing to other accelerators, looking at the whole ecosystem and in a, sort of changing the way that Parallect can, can survive and uh, evolve as a whole company together. So lots of, lots of cool things came out of the process and we're very excited about the second batch. All right. Um, just on my side, I just wanted to say again that I'm super grateful for what you guys have done and, and that philosophy of you know being ready to help people who only have an ID um, and, and, and can't afford yet to hire a great team because you do deserve to be paid a lot. Um, you know, that, that changed everything for me. So thanks a lot for that. All right, Julie, thank you so much for coming on the show again. And please, you know, if you, you know any other fantastic uh, French founders who, or not French, anyone, anyone is welcome to apply. Head over to accelerator.parallect.com to check out all the details on the second batch and applications are open until May 15th. So. Oh, my birthday. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> applications are open until Julie's birthday. And then we will all <laughs> celebrate with the new founders that have made their way to the accelerator. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend, Julie. Bye, everyone.